Welcome to the Student of the Game Fire Podcast with your host, Danny B. Today I have Manny Barajas, a.k.a. Manny the Barbarian, born and raised in San Antonio, Texas, a Marine Corps combat vet who's with the San Antonio Fire Department where he rides Engine 8, providing coverage and protection to the area he grew up in. Manny's passion is engine work and a true believer that knowing and getting the basics right on the fire ground makes the overall mission a success. Without further ado, ladies and gentlemen, Manny Barajas. Awesome. Thanks. Thanks for having me. Uh, happy to be here. Excited. Excited to get talking more brotherhood and fire service. Uh, like I said, uh, Manny Barajas, born and raised in San Antonio. Um, proud, proud uh, resident here. Proud uh, member of the community. And uh, really, all I want to do is just give back and uh you know, I heard a quote not too long ago. Um, if I have the ability, then I have the responsibility. And uh, until I don't have the ability anymore, then I feel like I have the responsibility to contribute and to the, the greater good. But uh, for sure, I'm happy to be here. Appreciate it. Appreciate it. I like that quote, too. I might steal that. <laughs> yeah, <I have> it. <laughs> uh, so if you could tell uh, the audience um, how you got into the fire service. Um, so I always tell people I, I never intended to join the fire department, fire service. Um, I, I think I did it by, it just by happenstance. Um, you know, I, I always, I grew up serving. Uh, as soon as I was done with high school, I joined the, the military and, you know, serving was always something that I, I found very noble and I just did it by accident. I never wanted to do it. After the Marine Corps, I felt like I had did enough dangerous stuff in my life and uh, it didn't really appeal to me um to want to do it not until i had a buddy call me and tell me hey uh i think this is right up your alley you know we, we played football together he had served in the navy and when he got out he joined the fire service and he's one of my really good friends called me and said hey um i think you should do this i kind of laughed at him i said oh that's not that's not me man i don't mm-hmm. i don't think do anything like that and he goes but hold on just listen listen we had an hour conversation and by the end of that that hour i was I was hooked. I knew it was something I had to do. Um, I saw it as a calling, you know, a calling that I didn't even know um, that I that I needed or that ne- maybe needed me. But um, at the end of that conversation, it was like, if not me, then who? Um, you know, I knew I had been tested and I knew what I was capable of, so to speak, when the bullets start flying. And um, I think that's the kind of people you need in something like this that aren't going to freeze up and they're going to actually continue to do the job when the stress level is very, very high. And, um, six going on seven years later. Um, yeah, a, a lot of, a lot of, uh, instances were that's come into play. And, um, like I said, it was just by pure accident. I took the test, which was a very, very competitive test here in San Antonio. Mm-hmm. Uh, I walked into that, uh, convention center uh, about half the seats were filled up and about a seat uh, a place that seated about, I wanted to say 10,000 uh, seats, half of them were full. And I was like, all right, well, shoot, there's a lot of people. <laughs> and it needed to get filled up the rest of the way there. And it seemed that I wanted to say we had about 7,000 people, maybe take okay. that test here. Okay. Uh, 
pull the card, they have like a, a weird system that goes on. And but I felt confident, you know, I, I was a little bit discouraged, but I still felt confident, took the test, and um, I did really well. Um, San Antonio does this thing where they give you five veterans points if you served, and which I totally agree with. Um, I think that's to, to pull in that pool of people that have already that mindset of serving and, you know, not to say other people don't, but uh, we do that as a way to, uh, you know, promote veterans coming in. And I think our department has a very good um, presence of veterans that have served and uh, it, it's good. It's good. And I think that just helps with the leadership aspect of for maybe the younger guys that, and girls that come in that maybe don't uh, have that leadership uh, quality about them and they can learn it maybe from people that have. Okay. Uh, that's why I, jo I joined and um, you hit the ground running. Um, very, very busy medical. Um, EMS is very, very busy here. We go to a good substantial amount of fires. Um, and when I went to my first assignment, uh, <laughs> I, I, I told myself, I was like, how come I don't ever see this on the news? Like, <laughs> this is this this is unreal. Uh, okay. We're going to a good amount of fires. I mean, shooting, stabbings. I mean, all sorts of stuff. And um, I just kept telling myself, like, why doesn't the, I think maybe if the public knew what was going on, they'd have a better appreciation or understanding of just life in general. And mm -hmm. maybe that uh, life is precious and, and maybe we shouldn't take it so lightly. Right. Yeah. Right. That's, yeah. That's how I got in. Yeah. That's okay. how I got. Uh, I, I've been blessed ever since, and I'm just I just thank God that I was put in this position to serve in this capacity. Okay, yeah, and uh, with what you said, a lot of people, you know, when they go to bed, they don't they don't know what we do at night. You know, we try not to, or at least I know where I'm at. We try not to make too much noise if we don't have to. We you know we kind of get in, get out, and that's it. Yep. Yeah, that's 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 that professionalism that I think I've seen from the majority of fire the fire services. That professionalism, uh, like we. We almost have to act like we've been there before, even right. maybe if it's a situation that we've never been to. Um, and that, I think, keeps us our head on straight, so to speak. And, right. and don't get too high. Don't get too low. Um, even though the, there's sometimes I'm like, man, I, I just can't believe we went through that or whatever. But uh, for sure, for sure. Okay. I, I, um, are your are your firefighters uh, required to be paramedics or do you do like uh, BLS? We're uh, EMT basics. Okay. In Texas, it requires every firefighter to be an EMT basic. Okay. Um, department doesn't, uh, uh, we're, we're not required right off the bat to be paramedics. Um, that That is done more or less. I'd say the vast majority go to our EMS division once we promote to engineer. Um, and they pull us into our EMS division. And I'd say that's about a 90%, maybe even more so, turnaround on getting pulled into our EMS division. Uh -huh. So it's almost a uh, it's almost a very very likely chance that once you promote you're going to EMS and um, that has its benefits and it also has its severe disadvantages. Mm -hmm. um, the fire division gets um, kind of siphoned for all the leadership qualities, all that experience that um, the engineer position kind of lacks. But uh, the ones that we are able to retain, um, they, they're a monumental benefit to the companies that are in the frontline companies. Okay. Okay. So when you say engineer, like you mean uh, the driver of the apparatus. Okay. Wow. That's different. So we, we upgrade a lot as firefighters. Um, so we have to drive quite a bit, um, mm -hmm. we'll drive. 
Um, so you got to be pretty well versed on, you know, that apparatus on everything from the tip of the spear on the nozzle to doing a search to learning, knowing how to drive, knowing the area, knowing how to be really good at pumping and knowing how to operate that aerial. Um, so it's a wide array of skills that's mm -hmm. required, you know, day one of the end of your probation. Uh, it's a very, very likelihood, like day one of the end of your probation, you're driving. And, uh, <laughs> wow. Yeah, and it's it's a little different. Uh, I I don't know if I completely agree with it, but it it the, I guess the mentality is get your feet wet early, you know, yeah. hold your your head to that fire and see if you can hack it or not. And um, I think the vast majority it's expected of us, so it's a very quick uh, learning curve that that you got to pick up. Okay, okay. Uh, do you see maybe within San Antonio that? If some people don't want to do it, they might they might just be like, you know, I'm good to be in a fireman and just stay there. Yeah. Um, I'd say for the most part, um I, I guess I don't know how to say this. Uh I we don't have a culture of the senior man as a firefighter. We really don't. And that's okay. that I, I think we do have some pockets of where yes, there are those senior senior men, so to speak, that uh are good to go they they're just really really good at their job mm -hmm. and decided to to stay there for whatever reason and uh sometimes it's it's kind of frowned upon like it's kind of seen as oh you weren't willing to move up in the 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 rung of you know promotions and stuff like that i don't necessarily see it that way because i think i've been around a lot of other departments have traveled gone to conferences and the idea of the senior man to me is a very nostalgic thing since, since coming into the fire service of, you know, I, I think it should be highly regarded if you have that culture. And uh, for me, I'm, I'm teetering on whether I ever want to promote or stay a fireman because um, I believe that that's something that's lacking in our department is that strong senior man mentality of um, because th this is important being on the front, you know, the, being on the back step or on the back mm -hmm. seat of the important um, aspect. It's it's probably the most important things we do is because that's where the rubber meets the road is the guys that are and girls that are actually stretching those lines and doing those searches. And um, I think it's almost treated as a stepping stone when it shouldn't be, you know, that you, I think the, that sets the tone for the rest of our careers and yep. as that experience that's, that's brought gained on the back and, um, the only thing that uh, it, it kind of sucks for me is that if you're not an officer in my department, um, you're not really making a big impact. As, yeah. as hard, hard as I've tried, yes, I feel like I've made a, a good uh, wave of, of uh, good change, not just change for the sake of change, but good change. And um, I've kind of brought more attention to where I feel was very, very significant, uh, lacking uh, was the actual attention to uh, the nozzle and, and engine work and uh, where the rubber meets the road and having that big impact on the fire, you know, the first line being stretched, things like that, which were just seen as some things that it, it'll just happen at the fire. It's, it's something that'll happen. Somebody's going to do it. And right. Which I feel is the wrong way to look at it. Um, and it needs to be taken priority because those first few moments at a fire, those first three minutes to five minutes of, that first initial uh, crew getting there 
is the most critical and that's going to dictate whether that fire goes good or not. And I felt like for me, it was almost uh, appalling that how can this get overlooked? Like it's getting overlooked. Um, and I felt like, like that's where maybe my calling was or my early on calling in my career was to change that because, you know, we had a, a fire ground fatality when I was in the Academy mm-hmm. um, at an LODD and um, you know, my department's, you know, pretty, you know, I, I can't really speak too much on that because, you know, how touchy. Right. Yes. Yeah. But I feel like that's where my calling was to make sure that something like that doesn't happen again. Um, I don't want it to happen again. And I, I feel like the way we avoid that is through training. Absolutely. Right. Right. No, I, I totally agree with you. And it's, it's a hard, it's a hard, it's a hard uh, way to look at it. Cause like I know you uh, you know Corley more and you listen to Corley and his his explanation of we have good firefighters that don't want to promote because they love the job they don't want to become officers I see his point but then I see your point too of it it, it kind of sucks where when you when people look at you and go well to affect change you need to be a, a fireground officer. I don't really see it that way, but it's one of those, it's it's a double-edged sword. It's either promote to make change and hate the position you're in. Cause I know plenty of guys that get promoted and you ask them a couple months, Hey, how is it? And they're like, it sucks. I wish <laughs> I never did it. And it's like, I don't ever want to be in that position. So I'm on my, I've been on my department for 16 years. Last year, I just got promoted to what we call a senior firefighter. It's a relief driver pretty much, but I waited 15 years to do it. I, I was on volunteer departments where I drove a lot and all I had to do was take the test, but I'm like, why? I'm good. I'm, I'm having fun back here. So yeah. I totally get your point of doing that. And I, I totally respect that. To me, I feel like there's no greater respect that can be given from one fireman to the next. And you, you know, putting more uh, into the craft where you're at and trying to squeeze every bit of, um, of, purpose and knowledge out of it and to me i had the utmost respect for those senior firemen that that's me and then i I, like i said i I respect you for doing that and i have a you know there's a fireman in my district that's at one of the really busy houses for fires as well Mm -hmm. and under more fires than i can ever hope to go to on the nozzle and uh he has not only my respect he has everybody's respect in the, the department and I think that goes a long way yet to changing the culture of not maybe having a senior fireman, but it's not really, he's the exception and not the rule to how we operate here. And um, I, I, if there's anything I can emulate, it's that. And he's mm-hmm. kind of blueprint for how that's done. It's just um, that whole deal about change. You know, I, I've tried really, really hard and sometimes you kind of get stepped on and, and it's just like, well, you're just a, you're just a fireman. And it's like, right. to me, I take very, um, I, I take offense to that, you know, mm-hmm. like, what the hell on, you know, it, it kind of, it gets me defensive. Like, well, how long were you a fireman? Right. Where, where did you work at? You right. Know, how many fires did you go on the nozzle? And then maybe that's not the right way to go about it. But I, I do get like that because I feel like it's that same mentality over and over again of, oh, it's, it's just fire attack. It'll have, or it's just the nozzle work. Mm-hmm. Somebody, you don't do it. Somebody's it's like, well, if it was your house, do you want just somebody to do it? Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> so, you want somebody that's going to make that a priority if your family's in there and 
you know, if it's your stuff that's burning and, you know, and that's where I, I took offense to you because, you know, I, I do live pretty close to where I work and mm-hmm. if my house, I don't want the chief, I don't want the, the firefighters showing up and saying, well, somebody's going to pull the line eventually. And that's not, that's not the mentality that I want. And I almost, I go to the little bit of the extremes and, and where, you know, I'm a citizen first of, of my city. Mm-hmm. And if I call out my own fire department, because they're not doing things the way I feel they should be doing, they're not providing the service that us citizens are paying for, then so be it, you know, right. Let, let my, one of my family's house burn or, God forbid, even worse, where somebody that I know perishes or my loved one, then somebody's going to have to have hell to pay because I know every step in that operation on fire ground priorities. Right, right. Um, We're not taking that um, to heart. And it's very troublesome for me to be on the outside looking in. And I'm just trying to keep us honest, you know. Yeah. Trying to keep honest. And and when I deploy that line, I'm not messing around, you know. I get to that door. I'm not waiting for the Halligan to come up on my, you know, the other crewmate to bring the irons. I'm, I'm going to check it before I wreck it. You know, I'm going to kick that door in and I'm asking for water and, you know, we're, we're going to go to work. And, and that's the way I feel like we got to have that can do attitude. Um, for sure. Have that can do attitude and um, just making sure that we're capable as well when we get no, there. Absolutely. Absolutely. Cause I can relate because my dad lives in our first due. So if I'm not at work and something happens, oh. I expect that next shift that's on duty to know how to pull that cross lay, know how to throw that ladder. So I totally get it. Yes, sir. And uh, the way I see it too, with being a, a firefighter for as long as I can. And, you know, I've believe me, I've thought about this like so much, like, man, and, and I, the way I framed it was this way to my son. Cause I told him, uh, told him this, um, when the SEALs went to go kill Osama bin Laden, they didn't want to hear the story from the commander that was in charge. Uh, they want to hear from the guy that shot him. Mm-hmm. When I'm, you know, when I'm in my retirement age, telling my kids about fires I went to, they're gonna want to hear what I did at those fires. They're not gonna want to hear, oh well, I I commanded this engine to do this, and they're gonna be like, really, Grandpa? He <laughs> <laughs> sat in a buggy and gave orders. <laughs> So knocking chiefs and stuff, but right, my, right. That's the outlook on it. Um, that's the way I see it. Is I want to be able to tell them, just like I when I served in the Marines, I can hold my head up high and tell my kids what I did, my grandkids and stuff. But it's the same way with firefighting. They're gonna ask, and I'm gonna I'm gonna explain it to them that being a firefighter for a long time, or at least a good amount of time, is key to the rest of our career and. I think those that say, well, I'm just going to promote real quick and get EMS out of the way because I'm old. Well, I got in when I was old, too. I was 32 years old. Okay. I don't think that was an excuse to just skim through it. You know, even though every officer I met, every other firefighter I talked to said, hey, just promote as fast as you can. That's that's that just never seemed right to me. You know, Mm -hmm. I was like, I don't even know what I'm doing at fires. Why am I going to promote at three years? Right. Right. I want to. Nozzle time as I can get. I want to know every little bit about fire dynamics. I want to know about air and trimming. I want to know about water mapping. I want to know about, you know, uh, head hunting when we can't see in the structure how we're going to navigate. I want to know how to hump hose more effectively. And then 
you know, not to say that I've gotten there, but I, I feel like I've gotten to a good point where I've been passing on that knowledge that I've been learning the hard way because we treated nozzle work as a, like I said, as an afterthought in my department. So we would get these hundred PSI nozzles and I'd open them and I'm like, holy cow, like I'm, I'm 225, 230 pounds. And I'm, I'm, I'm pretty spelt. Like, why am I struggling with this? I didn't understand that. It wasn't until going to those classes and learning, you know, uh, how to handle hose, how to handle, you know, the nozzle that I was like, okay, this can be done. You know, mm -hmm. it, it can. and I wanted to spread that like wildfire. And, and unfortunately it wasn't, it wasn't received too well. Cause it's like, we've been fighting fire when you were still in diapers and it's right. Like, right. Damn. And it, 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 it was very hurtful because it was an honest approach that I took. You know, it was very heartfelt and not wanting somebody else to maybe go to a fire and get their butt whooped by the fire and by the nozzle. You know, that shouldn't happen. Mm -hmm. You know, and open things are going to good things are going to happen. And um, like I said, it was a it was just a major turn off to, to know that <laughs> it wasn't very well received at first. And I think we're changing that little by little. And uh, I've seen some success with that, with just trying to implement nozzle work as a being on the forefront of our mind and not an afterthought. Okay. Okay. That actually goes perfect to leading into the next question of what, what is the culture like within your department regarding pride training calls and camaraderie with the crews? I think, um, that is the double-edged sword, if I'm going to be honest. And I feel like um, maybe it's time to it's time to be honest, or at least I can frame it better to where it doesn't sound so negative. But uh, I think the guys and girls on the ground are professional, very you know professionals in every sense of the word. I think that recruiting process that we bring in people uh, siphons out a lot of the unprofessional people that might be coming in, and because we understand it. it takes a year to get in my department. Okay. And even go to the academy, which takes eight months. So you're looking at two years from where you took the test to where now you're a probie. And uh, there's that sense of, man, that this job, it took me a lot to get here. I don't want to mess it up. I want to look good. And the thing with my department and the culture is if you're the only guy not doing or got girl not doing something while everybody else is working, you're you're an immediate outcast. You're an immediate like you, you, you're, you're marked. And yeah. that's the, that's the last thing you want. Right. You know, after, if you're not helping put up hose, you're that company that, you know, thinks you're too good to do that. And you all leave before ever, you know, and then you don't offer to help. Mm -hmm. Boom. You're, you're marked and people are going to start realizing, all right, you know, we know how it is. Um, and that goes for individuals and companies. But um, I, I would say the bad part is we're a very top down department. Um, there's a lot of red tape. We're, we're a huge department, right? Um, about 2000 members. And, um, I just think that, uh, that shift is needed to where more, I wouldn't say power, but more, uh, more emphasis is needed at the boots on the ground that are actually doing the job and getting stuff done. And I refer to this back to my Marine Corps career where, that was the case. That always was the case. They understood that the squad and the, the fire team is the essence of the Marine Corps. It's the backbone. So much so that, you know, we walk, we, we walked our talk. So we'd have our CEOs and we'd be eating chow as a big company or a battalion. Uh, guess what? Guess who eats last? 
And guess who eats first? Right? It's the lowest ranks eat first, and then the highest ranks eat last. And that's putting your money where your mouth is and, and letting your guys know you're the ones that are the most important. And we're here to support you, not mm -hmm. the other. I'm mm -hmm. not there to support, you know, an SLP that is pretty obscure or an SOG that really doesn't pertain to me. Like it should be the other way around. Okay. How can we support you for doing the core mission of this job and actually going and getting on that rig and making those calls and affecting change and doing your, your due diligence because when the public sees us on the street, they're looking at the boots on the ground. They're not looking at if, if we're doing right or wrong. And, right. you know, just, hey, I'll use this example. Just the other day, um, we had a dog attack. Two pit bulls, you know, attacked an elderly couple. And unfortunately, one one elderly didn't make it. Okay. But who was the first ones that showed up? Who's the most reliable? The The, the ones that have earned the public's trust showed up and did work. Mm -hmm. well, we didn't, we didn't, what do we did? What, what did we have? We had pike poles. We had uh, pickhead axes, and we used them to defend those 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 couples. You know, and I say we. It was it was another station in my pretty close, another station next to my de my station in my department, and I couldn't be more proud of my department. Then that was honestly one of the proudest moments. Looking like, hey, we actually we and we do it all the time whether it's the cameras are showing and you know, this, you know, whether the cameras are rolling or not, right. we do the right, do the right thing. And I think yep. that's why the public loves firefighters, you know, and what we do because we do do the right thing. And uh, I would say that just that when I talk about culture, um, I think just a greater emphasis is needed on the boots in the ground, being the ones that need the support and, you know, from from leadership and now that's not to say our leadership is horrible or not but right we do great leaders and i know my shift commander has been more than willing to support what we do and that's when i push training because i'm a fto in my my uh, district okay so we, we do push training you know pretty substantially and and we don't we don't go overboard with it either because it's i think a perfect balance uh, i did go on a, a training spree for a few years where i mean it was training train i was going to a training event out of state every two months or so and i got kind of burnt out and and i did bring it back to where we we didn't do a whole lot of training i, I will say that in my department as a whole but that's since changed um we didn't do that because we were doing so much if that makes sense we're going to a whole lot of medical calls we were going to a good amount of fires um i just felt a greater emphasis was needed in one arena in one area and that was a fire attack portion where we can be a little sharper for the sake of you know you, you can never train too much on on the basics you can never train too much on um the things you're going to do at those fires you, we call them the big five the stretching line flowing water throwing ground letters forcible entry and search and um you know but there is that happy medium you know on the weekends you know guys you know Maybe a day off isn't going to hurt anybody. And, right. You know, so Absolutely. Happy medium and using common sense. And, you know, there's some companies that I didn't go overboard. They're like, really, you're going to train every single shift all day. And then it's like, well, you're not going to retain a lot of guys. And, you know, you know they're going to get wore out, mm -hmm. you know, and only going to retain so much information before you start tuning it out. And, you know, I'm somebody, like I said, I did that myself. And I know, I know how much training is too much training. And But 
Uh, I think we've found a good balance of where the training we do is rooted in common sense and it's rooted in actual effectiveness that's going to take place on the fire ground. You know, for right. sure, we, we when we talk about culture, I think culture and training are pretty well, they got to be connected. And, right. Absolutely. And and we have a very strong culture because San Antonio, the fire department's been around for over 100 years here and uh, 100, I want to say rounded up to I'd say 130 years. And um, there's a lot of history. You know, there's a lot of old fire stations that we have that, you know, we play a game called Pollyanna. I don't know if you guys do something like that up there. And that's a, it's a, it's a little board game. It's a, it's the game that sorry came from okay, uh, the original. And there's so much strategy that's built on that game that you get to, you get to know a person by the moves they make and whether they're willing to help the other guys on the board when one person's going to win and, and whether they're going to, you know, and you, you push a little bit of buttons when you're playing to see what it takes to get somebody uh, flustered or, you know, things like that. So you can learn a lot about people just on games like that. And then, you know, we do outside activities as a department, you know, there's a division here that does a lot of, uh, you know, bowling activities, flag football, softball, you know, so we try to stay tight knit. And I would say that the vast majority of my department, even if it's 2000 members, we all know each other, you know, okay. at least somebody that knows a little bit more than we do. So, uh, we stay tight knit. Um, like I said, I'm very proud. Like we have professionals here. Um, the EMS division is one of the best in the world. Um, we, we staff it with two medics and, you know, I, I've had medics that I didn't even know show up for my family members. And they told me they were so nice, you know, they, they did a great job. And, you know, when, when you hear that from somebody that really didn't even know you, they were your family. It's like, right. Holy um, that makes you proud too. For sure. Okay. Cool. No, no, it's good. Good. Um, and I definitely like what you said because a lot of people get it misconstrued that you know when you go do training, it doesn't have to always be put your gear on, we're breathing air. Like you have to be mindful of the weather. Like I know it gets hot in San Antonio, so on like one of your hot days, you're not gonna go. All right, guys, we're gonna go out and kill ourselves and be ready for the next call. I mean, it all it's all about common sense. Yes. Absolutely. And we, we do, our training is, at least in our, uh, my engine company, it goes through peaks and valleys. You know, we'll start with just our bunker pants on if we're just working on technique and then we'll graduate a little bit to uh, bunker coats. And then when we're like, we set it up where we get our burn building that we're going to use. Okay, let's go on air. Maybe we'll do it first. We'll do some dry runs with just bunker pants. Then We'll go on air and learn, you know, work on navigating in that structure, how we're going to hunt bows around corners and flowing and moving because <clears throat> that's the worst case scenario. And we, we we can always throttle back down from that, but uh, we make sure that we can work up to it in training so that we can do it at fires. And for sure, we go through our peaks and valleys. And uh, like I said, we we starting in with the basics. Um, you know, I'd be lying if I said we did RIT drills all the time. Uh, because I don't see RID as a basic skill. I see it more as an a, a advanced skill or even um, maybe an outline skill. But, and the reason for that is if you do your basic skills correctly, you know, fire attack, you're going to circumvent that need for RID and maybe even uh, diminish the necessity, necessity for it at all. Mm-hmm. And when we talk about training for for us what we do we try to stay on the basics and we do touch on those outlying skills as well for sure but um 
we we try to have that balance for sure. We try okay. to have that. Awesome. Awesome. Uh, what keeps you personally motivated um, or what keeps you personally invested to continue to love the job? Um, personally, uh, I think we touched on it earlier is that uh, I can, I can, it's a very real possibility. Like, like it is for you have it that you have your family in mm -hmm. your area and that keeps me vested. Like I picture myself before I go to sleep, if I'm showing up to my house fire, what am I going to do? Right. You know, I've asked myself those tough questions and, and even so much so that I use my house as an example when I'm talking about fire ground priorities and what we should do, uh, what, what would be a best practice, you know, not just from my own opinions, but everything I've learned, studies and uh, fire doctrine that I've studied from guys like Andy Fredericks and Kyle Ramagus and the likes of them. And, you know, I use that. I use that because that keeps me vested. So I'm stretching this line. I don't care whose house it is. It's, you know, it's a hoarder home or whatever. It's going to look the same if I'm showing up to my house. And I'm, I'm you know, there's game speed for me. Um, you know, I'm, I I don't run on the fire ground, but I move with a purpose. Right. Because um, if, you know, I get that whole thing about run. If You'd be running if it was your own house. Well, if it was your own house and you blow your knee, on your front porch, you're no good in your own house. So True. move with a purpose. <clears throat> and uh, like I said, I, I I know it sounds cliche and this and that, but you have to almost treat every house like it's your house. Right. That you, you have to, because if you don't, and then you're not doing the public any, any good, you're really not. Um, there, I've been in the fires where we have fire fatalities, multiples. And, you know, I've had the other ones where, They'll stick out where kids get burnt and this and that. And it's like, it only takes one. Mm -hmm. It only takes one time for that to happen. And you truly understand what your purpose is here for. And I feel like maybe sometimes the guys that don't take it serious, well, you just maybe haven't had that one call or you haven't had that one fire where you could have got toasted or, yep. you know, could have got killed even just showing up to the fire where, you know, again, not to tell too many war stories, but yeah, I mean, there's times where, just going to the fire, just stretching the line was hazardous, you know, pop fire uh, electrical line, you know, will split you in half or something like that. But so you got to treat it serious. And, and that's what I try to do at every fire. You know, I got a game speed and um, I think we keep everybody accountable that's with us. And I know that I try to know my job and where I should and shouldn't change or where, whether my first um, plan of attack should or shouldn't change. And, I think that all comes with experience plus training and, and knowledge, you know, reading books and uh, going to training, know your capabilities and also seeing what happens in the real world um, when you go to real fires. Absolutely. No, couldn't say it any better. Couldn't say it any better. Uh, so I kind of want to hear your answer on this for the next one. Uh, what are your ultimate goals? And when I, when I ask that, I kind of want to hint that, do you see yourself getting uh, promoted at some point, or are you going to be a lifer on the back step? And I, I, I'm, I'm torn. I'm completely torn. I mean, completely torn because I, I, for multiple reasons, I mentioned earlier that if we promote, it's a 90% chance I'm going to EMS division and okay. we're, we're there for three years minimum. And okay. three years out of the game, we don't rotate back on the engine. We stay there on the box and you make wow. your, and, um, that's why I'm torn. That that is a big reason, but 
also the big reason is the effect of change that I feel like I have had by by bringing more attention to the nozzle and the importance of it. Because um, I, I feel like in my own little way, I have made an impact and I have, you know, at least impacted the guys that are going to be in that position to affect change. Um, you know, I, I was on our tool and equipment committee when we upgraded our attack packages to low pressure, smooth bore, seven eighths nozzles. And, you know, for me, I'm, I'm very proud of that. Even if I had a, you know, maybe not as big of a part in it as everybody else that was on there, but I was the only firefighter that was on there. And I felt that I was the advocate for other firefighters. Right. I absolutely needed to get the right, the right setup for, for us. And, um, I, I think we did. And, um, so I am torn. I'm torn. Um, but I also know myself and I know any go true go-getters when going to want to see how far they can go True. in the fire service. And, but that, that's not to say that going as far as I can go isn't just by, I mean, it, it, it that could be me being a firefighter and going as far as I can go with that. Mm -hmm. You know, you got, I'm not to compare myself to SEAL Team Six, but you got SEAL Team Six guys that were on. They were shooters the whole time, and that's yeah. they were shooters the whole time. And um, there's something to be said for that, you know, uh, at the tip of the spear, so to speak. And you know, we're developed. The, the fire service is developing so fast, where we changed back to a, a direct attack. And you know, I I wanted to be around for that. You know, we weren't we weren't using wide fog patterns anymore, and I think that's kind of the consensus now is not to go in with wide fog patterns, and you know that that just disrupts you know everything inside the thermal balance, and instead going with the straight stream, and you can let it rip, and not only nothing bad is going to happen, only good things are going to happen, and I wanted to be around for to see that because when I came in, I came in in a very a weird time where in my department it was still predominantly using white fog patterns okay. if you could yeah, just to pulse it and kind of hold the thermal balance at bay until you find the fire and then use the straight stream kind of like an extinguisher at the base and you know i think we were we were getting our ass whooped uh, more so than we were you know we were losing more than i think we or at least a good proportion of the fires we were going to by using that technique because it's a very fine line. You're walking a tightrope as opposed to owning the box that you go in into the next part. So I wanted to be around for that. And that's why I feel like the firefighter position is so critical right now because we're, we're actively changing the way we go to fires and the way we approach them. And that's the, that's the, that's where the tension comes from is wanting is, is leaving that, to be in charge of guys now that are going to have that impact. And uh, I, I've always heard that the uh, company officer is the, the, you know, the best position in the right, fire. Right. I've, I argue that every time I hear it, but yeah. Yeah. And I don't know if I agree with that, to be honest with you, I'm, I'm maybe with you on that. Really? The, the, yeah. I don't know. <laughs> no, come on. Can't tell me that not being on the nozzle is any more fun than, being on the nozzle you know right so i'm i'm just torn i really am and and i think you you understand completely mm -hmm. where I'm this yep. but i also do want to see if okay let's say if i was in charge of a company and i get to interact with the chief and, and suggest a tactic hey chief can we do this you know maybe that would give me a, it'd be like a coach versus a player now you know okay. right right you'd be more of a coach if you're that company officer and and I, I don't know. You ask any coach and players, you know, or somebody that's done both, 
and mm-hmm. ask them more of their most cherished experiences, I guarantee you most of them are going to say it was being a player. Player. Yep. So that's where I'm torn. Honestly, that's where I'm torn on this okay. whole bit. And I couldn't give you a good answer, to be honest with you. No, you're only, fine. The only thing I have planned is I think maybe I'm going to take the test next year. To just see where just to see, right, right. Yeah, and actually, you know, give it a, a decent whirl. And if it's not meant to be, it's not meant to be. And okay. I'm be content with staying a firefighter my entire career. Um, because uh, in the grand scheme of things, uh, I love I love firefighting. But in the grand scheme of things, families comes first. And the, all the things going on in this world, I think firefighting kind of pales in comparison with the big picture of everything going on in this world. And uh, I just suffer, like I told you, an injury um, where I've been out for two months. I got a beard right now. And it kind of brings things into perspective of the fire service as a whole. Yes, I do want to show up and make a a difference. Um, But if I can't even walk and I can't even do the basic things I need to do for my family, then that just puts things into perspective for sure. Absolutely. Fires are going to be the 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 calls are going to be there regardless whether you're there or not. Exactly. Yes, and I sir. Got to put our family first and put our our own health too. We got to we got to make that a priority because if we're not healthy, we're not you know capable. We're not helping nobody. You can have as much um, well wishing and and as much you know uh, good thoughts as we want, but if we're not able to enact those good thoughts and well-wishing, then we really, it's all for not. Like if I can't, if I can't force that door cause I didn't work on it, or if I can't, you know, physically you know, shoulder that door, you know, cause the tools are a little late coming behind me after I stretched the line, then, you know, maybe I need to start rethinking <laughs> my position. Mm-hmm. Uh, the, I become a detriment to the guys I'm with, then I need to stop being selfish and start moving uh, in a position where I can't be an asset and not a liability anymore. Oh, yeah. No, no. I totally agree with you 100%. I mean, and it goes back to, like, I know some people who are ate up with the fire service, and that's great. But when they let the fire service become, like, their wives, where they don't, they're not there for their families. And I look at it at, I look at it like this way. Most people give 20, 25, 30 years. When you retire and you walk back home, when you leave that department and you come home to an empty house, is it was it was it worth it? You know what I mean? Like when you're gone, it's like, hey, we appreciate you. All right, you can come back, you can come back and see us. But the next day, you're an afterthought. Like that department's gonna keep going whether you're there or not. And just some people just don't understand that. And in and in all reality, um, I hate to say it like this, but we're just a number, really, yeah. to departments. You know, we're a, we're a, we're a pulse. You know, we're a heartbeat. We're a warm bag of of, of blood and, and tissue, blood and muscle to our departments. You know, if we're not there, they're gonna need somebody else to fill that spot. And yeah, to our family, we're a lot more than that. You know, we're we're a whole lot more than that. And um, it, 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 honestly, I, I was for a while there, I was putting the fire service before my family and I, I started to realize that. And it wasn't honestly until I got hurt and my wife was taking care of me and she was the one that my kids were helping me. And, you know, I had my family checking in on me and, you know, I did have a few brothers, good brothers check in on me, but I didn't have everybody in my department calling. And, right. Hey, 
I didn't have, you know, my chief, the head chief of every, you know, the whole department calling me. I didn't have, so that in, that in and of itself tells you everything, you know, when it's all said and done or when the chips are not in your favor, who's going to be there for you. And you need to realize that and, and yep. put the people are there first. And that yep. first realized that since being hurt. Okay. Okay. And I know if I don't ask this question, I'll get asked at work. Um, when you, if you do get promoted to engineer and you stay in that medic role for three years, uh, when the medic shows up to a fire, are they allowed to do suppression work or they have to strictly medic? Yeah, strictly medic, strictly medic. Okay. They don't they take your gear from you or you no longer have gear. Wow. Okay. Yeah. And, and you're, a, you're a strict professional and you, 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 you know, that's, that's your role. And uh, it, it has worked because our medics in my department, honestly, they're a key figure in the firehouse. You know, we, they're still firefighters, you know, because they still went through the same rigors that we went through. Mm-hmm. But um, when they come, they, they, they just have a different mentality about them. Most of the guys we work with are just easygoing, cool. And when we get those, critical calls that we show up to, you know, they're utmost. And I really, I just couldn't use a better word than professional. And I know I've used it already, but um, these guys are good. They're really, really good. And if, and if it's somebody in my family that has a critical event, I want them showing up because uh, they're that good. Our medic director, um, he's second to none. He lets them work at the cutting edge of science. And he, he not only lets them, he's in charge of us on our medical side. So, we do finger thoracotomies. We do needle decompressions. We do IOs. We drill through the bone, you know, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and we get to do it fairly often to where we're pretty good at it. And um, it, yeah, so they show up, they don't get to, um, they don't get to play anymore. And that's okay. just, a, they got to almost love EMS, you know, now and fall in love with it because that's the one you got. And, uh, right. you know, that's, they do show up but they're really just there to make sure that if there's somebody that gets hurt or they need to check vitals or they'll bring extra water for us and um sometimes if they're there before us they're still firefighters they can give us an initial report okay they'll, they'll 60 and they'll let us know what they got or you know i think they're still mission focused if there's a person hanging from a door uh, a window or something or they can assist with they'll make that decision all right well can i make the grab or can i do some good you know whatever and i, I think most uh, medics we have are mission focused in that sense okay all right perfect perfect uh, and you might have already touched on this but when we in your opinion what key elements or factors do you think are needed to make a good firefighter regardless of rank um, I, I, I did kind of touch on it. Uh, uh, for me, I would say they need to be, uh, um, go, they need to be, um, I used the word earlier. I'm losing my train of thought, but, um, uh, they need to have that can do attitude. That that's what I was looking for. The can do attitude, not just be pessimistic. Like, ah, oh, man, I got to do this. Like, instead of finding ways to not do something, let's find a way to do it. Like, let's, let's figure it out. Um, okay. In my academy class, one of the uh, – so I'm a veteran. We had a whole bunch of veterans. One of the other veterans was from the 101st Airborne. He came up with a slogan. Uh, it was in Latin. Instar is seco, which means figure it out. Mm-hmm. And that's what the fire department shows up to, you know, to do is if it's not always going to be 
clean cut and dry what we right. should do, but figure it out. Yep. Uh, some way, somehow figure it out through even risking ourselves to do it. And that's that fine dichotomy of um, putting yourself in harm's way, but also not just for the sake of putting yourself in harm's way, but that it's actually going to bring about some good. So I would say that having that can do attitude and, and when we show up, well, it's, it looks a little hot, you know, um, I don't know if we're going to be able to do any good. Well, we got 500, 750 gallons of water on it. Well, let's start putting water on it and see what that does first. Right. Right. Or we in the towel and say, Hey, let's go defensive. You know, really, I, I think that that's a straight way of looking at it. And it should be like, Hey, let's pop that front door open. Let's start putting water in it at the door. And if things immediately get better, let's, let's rock and roll and start going. Right. And, and that's coupled with all the, the pre-work that goes in into, all right, where am I looking for the fastest moving smoke? And, you know, is it upstairs? Is it downstairs? Usually the front door is going to give me better access to the entire structure. So all those things coupled, using them together, knowing what our stream is going to do, you know, the gas contraction and um, the surface cooling that we do, um, hidden solids, all, all that stuff. If I know because I've studied and I've, I've seen it done at numerous fires and being prepared when we get there for sure. Um, I would say that that's the mindset we need is um, let's prepare to win. Let's have that can do attitude instead of what we're going to do when we fail. Awesome. Okay. And the last one, uh, what do you think the American fire service can improve on? Um, kind of when we were talking about uh, the leadership and how my the culture in my department, it's almost reflective of that. I would say making the boots on the ground a priority. Make making the boots on the ground a priority because we're the ones doing all the work. We're the ones that are, I feel, the most important in your 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 guys and girls at the ground level. Getting off the rig should be your priority in your your uh, department in your organization because if they're not, it, it's it's a backwards uh, mm -hmm. leaning house you know it's gonna fall on itself and nobody's gonna trust your command structure nobody's gonna trust you know when you got things going on maybe outside of your purview but you feel like you you have support from the top coming down whether you're getting your equipment you need the training you need and i think it starts with those two do you have that support and the time to go train you know you know it, it says something when you have a lot of guys in your department are paying for their own training outside the department. For real. Yeah. Yeah. I don't think it should be the case. We need to get it from our department. And I, I feel like it's, we, we've moved light years just in a few years in my department where we prioritize our attack lines, which we did. We've gotten really good engines, which we did uh, new fire stations and um, the training that to boot, you know, the, the training to go along with that. Mm -hmm. uh, Sure, we've made it a priority in our department. And luckily, fortunately, I've been a part of developing some of that training. And for me, it's it's been very instrumental, you know, very effective because the training I'm a part of is where the rubber meets the road. You know, we're putting water on the fire, how to be effective going around corners, deployment methods, uh, pump ops. You know, we focus very heavily on pump ops here in San Antonio and uh, I can, that's probably a conversation for another day. We do what's called a uh, over pumping. We're not yes, I have heard of that. Yes. Yeah. We're, and that's, that's a really good, um, 
way that we approach fires and it's all been developed just in the last few years and it's been developed by the boots in the ground which has made me very very proud of my department and even our training where we we do our training our tactic tuesday tuesday's uh tactics and stuff where um we focus on the first line and then we'll focus on a on a a variation of that where we have to do an extended lay when we go from a two and a half to like a blitz attack to reducing down to an inch and three quarter batting in itself. Those two drills make us pretty, pretty darn effective. Are they going to work for everything? No, but man, they make us pretty darn effective. And one of the things I've kind of been a part of and not trying to harp on when guys make mistakes there at training, because it's self-evident, they're going to see when they mess up that man, you know, I don't need to go tell, hey, dude, you you know, and like I said, we do have that professionalism in our department where uh, if you mess up, you're you're going to get laughed at, and rightly so. They're, you're going to be that company that, man, they couldn't even pull a cross lay, you know, right. or they, they couldn't even, you know, it was all tangled and jumbled up, or they couldn't flow, like they couldn't keep the line open for more than five seconds or whatever. Mm-hmm. And I think we've been a part of that and, and just <clears> – <throat> trying to be a vessel for information that, um, you know, I started a little training page here in my, de- uh, for my area, not just my department, but for the area on just, you know, it's been a good influx of information from all over. Um, just information here, information, you know, on the good, um, the, the good, I would say industry standards that are around the whole fire service, not just here. Like it might open some eyes, you know, double tax supply, or booster tank backup, things like that, that put water where we needed and making it just making us more effective with fires. Okay. Hey, uh, for, and for, for those that don't know, it's, this could be shameless plug, plug it in, man. Sit, uh, what's the name of it? That way we can get out to the masses. Yeah. Um, I created it maybe two or three years ago called a uh, San Antonio fire attack. And it's not just for San Antonio firefighters. I opened it up, you know, a few years back just because I wanted it to be a good connection or, or a good go between, between the guys in my department that know me that followed it. And also the guys I've met when traveling and going to other training events or conferences and um, rubbing elbows with some big names. And I wanted it to be that good go between. So they weren't just hearing it from me. They were mm-hmm. hearing it from this expert, Dennis Laguerre, Kyle Ramagas, Corey Moore, you know, all these big names, uh, uh, Nick Papa, um, Jay Bonifield, you know, all these names that uh, I was rubbing shoulders with just so that they, they weren't hearing it just for me. These are guys I was learning from. And, um, you know, I feel real blessed and fortunate that they even mentioned me learning from me. And I was like humbling, you know, oh, damn. Uh, but, first, yeah, that's that's why I started it. I wanted to be the good go-between on um, information. So I wasn't talking in an echo chamber and, you know, the ideas were flowing freely and, you know, I take hard stances and that's probably hurt me as I take hard stances sometimes because I feel like if you don't stand for anything, you're going to fall for, for right. no, fall. you got to yeah. stand, you got to, you got to put, you know, you got to be about something, right? you know, right. Uh, I don't know here but I, so i won't but no you're good you're good man you're, i'm a fireman i i i try not to curse on my little four-year-old so it's you're fine so it's like it's like if you were to tell somebody else man you ain't about shit that's right. what you're telling right be, be about something put your name on in something and say that you're you're about that because if not that just tells me you're a flake almost or that you're gonna 
you're gonna you're gonna waffle at anything that new idea that somebody tells you you're gonna just bite hook line and sinker instead of uh actually putting in the research on something or having an, a, a good opinion and i think it's good to be opinionated but it's 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 bad to be stubborn you know if somebody gives you mm -hmm. better then okay i'm gonna go with that right i've changed my stance um and for, you know, I've changed my stance on certain things, but one thing I haven't changed my stance on is I feel that 99% of the cases, a uh, fire attack should come before a search. And the reason I say that is for for many, many reasons. And uh, that's kind of got me in a little bit of hot water here and there. Um, I did go on the weekly scrap and I, I like I said, I was about it. I wasn't. Oh, about yeah. It. Oh, yeah. Yes. I listened to it. Yes, for sure. And, and, um, I have taken heat, but I've also the right guys that I think have are open minded as well do feel that way. And um I use that cornfield harvester analogy. Mm -hmm. you know, mm -hmm. that it, um I guess yeah, and, and that's why that's all I mean is is you know be about something to uh, put your foot down on something. Um if you're wrong, then reposition and and, and just adjust. That's all you right. gotta do. Right. Uh Instead of being stubborn and uh, for sure i think i'm that's a person that's been personal growth for me is when pre uh, presented with different information okay don't just go into the studies looking for something that's going to support your argument uh actually look at them and say well man maybe that didn't go exactly like i was thinking it was going to go um but yeah so but I, I try to base everything that i talk about just on science, you know, what's air entrainment going to do our volume of water versus, you know, the, the size of structures, the flashover times our response times, um, the gallons, the, the amount of gallons we have in our tank, you know, and what it takes to put out a contents fire, two room contents fire, you know, and we, we've, we've been winning, you know, like we'll go, we show up on our engine. We only have 500 gallons on our engine. Mm -hmm. And last few fires that I had before I got hurt, um we killed it with one tank and these were these were working fires and the difference is i think we just didn't let off the nozzle when it called like we we kept it open until the right. fire was out is right. that gonna work every single time no but we go into it with that experience and building that rolodex of information that okay when the next engine comes in we're gonna need they're, they're gonna need to share their water with us so that we can keep that nozzle open and put it right in the dragon's throat and put it out um but yeah, that that's kind of been my mind state is using all those separate um, separate uh, schools of thought and uh, times I've learned and, and information to build about a better argument for uh, and I, I call it an argument. I call it maybe I think it should be better explained as a, an effective way of going to fires and fire doctrine to approach fires. No, so yeah, I, I, I agree. Yeah, because I, I don't know if it was Chief Ike I've, I've heard it from, but the saying, water always wins. I mean, yeah. they say it for a reason. So. I think he said it too. Uh, you have to use water to need water. True. And, it, and, True. and I, I like that, that we don't stop at a plug before uh, or a, a hydrant and tie it in to supply ourselves before we've even put a drop of water on the fire. We put what we got with us, and then we'll start supplementing it from there on. And I like that we've always done that, and I think we should continue to do that. And um, we've we've kind of pushed bigger ideas of sharing water and booster tank backup, and mm -hmm. uh, for sure we I think that's a 
that's the way to go. I think there's just, there's just, there's so much information on why that works and why applying water, even if there's victims inside, mm-hmm. uh, is going to be the, the, the way to go because, um, you go into that abyss. It, it's hard for me to, to listen to guys say that well, we should perform a search before attack because we got reports of victims. Well, the the study times that I've seen and, and just my experience as well. So we're using both um, experience and uh, studies to justify our actions in that I know that within two minutes, if it's a room and contents fire and I'm aggressive with my water, I can make that entire structure tenable by hydraulic venting afterwards. And now guess what? The search gets done faster. Mm-hmm. You know, you've seen the threat on the victim and, um, I just feel that's the way to go. No, awesome. Awesome. I definitely, definitely, I don't know what's in the drinking water in Texas, but uh, between you, Kyle, uh, the colony, just and any other thing I'm forgetting, Texas has got it going on with their conferences and their tactics for sure. And I think we that might have happened because we were we were kind of shamed into that. Like, you know, we were listening to Aaron Fields and you know, Seattle, we're listening to um, New York and, you know, that's not to say that. So we're, we're listening to all these happenings all over the country and we're like, well, what are we doing? You know, shit, you know, we go to fires too. Like, uh-huh. what, are, what are we doing? Like, um, let's step our game up as, as so to like, you know, let's pro- pro- uh, promote training. Let's, let's start putting our names out there on trainings, like uh, in, in not in a negative way or anything like that, but to also say that hey you know we're we're out here too you know absolutely um and that's all i've tried to do when i go out to somewhere they ask me where i'm from i tell them san antonio half the people don't know where it's at half the people (laughs) it's the alamo city or the river walks here and Uh two million people that live in the area so uh right um it's just got that small town feel to it uh but it's also very very old san antonio's 300 years old more than 300 years old now um so there's a lot of old structure uh and then it burns and we have a huge homeless population that okay it's cold or there's a cold breeze that comes in for whatever reason they like to start fires inside abandoned houses and that is one of the biggest reasons why we go to a lot of fires because my zip code is one of the poorest zip codes in the country uh, i okay. think the media like twenty thousand dollars a year okay um, and, and that's of the people that we know that are working. The rest are just homeless. And it's a huge po- homeless population. And um, so, yeah, that, that pulls us in to our duties to do a lot of that. There's a lot of heroin in the area. So we give a lot of Narcan. Mm-hmm. And I think that's where we've kind of, that's kind of where I put all the theories, all the, the stuff that um, I've learned to test and see if it works. And I think we've been very, very successful. And I'd like to promote that and, and push that to other people too to show them that it works and, and in a positive way. I just don't know which way is that the best way gonna be for me to do that, whether it be me going to EMS for three years and trying to promote to be a lieutenant, which is very, very competitive, mm-hmm. versus me being a firefighter, which is still the brunt of the hard work in the fire department. That's the grunt work and still trying to promote it that way. Uh, I feel like I'm uh, it's a it's a good position to be in, but I feel like I'm in between a rock and a hard place, you know. Right. And, and I feel it's okay, but it, and I'm I put myself in that situation rightly so. That those are the 
we want that. We want that tough decision. And uh, right now, I just feel you know, like my needs are better served, um, and the needs of people are better served. Me being on the back of the engine, on the nozzle. Right. I feel very fortunate. I get to train every new probie that comes through our station. We talk to them, fire dynamics and <clears throat> hose stretches, and then we'll flow some water. Then we'll show them a little bit of pumping. We'll give them. The basics, you know, we get them for more than one shift. All right, let's go throw some ground ladders or let's go, let's go uh, see if we can get a forcible entry prop to work on or things like that. You know, the okay. basics, basics. And because uh, I feel like the basics always win. Yep. Yep. Firm believer of that. Basics always win. Well, uh, Manny, I appreciate it. I'm sure the listeners are going to love this. I know I did. I enjoyed listening to every single thing you had to say today. Took some gems away. Um, is there anything else you want to you want to say before we leave? No, I just want to thank you for having me. Um, this has been good. I, I always love talking to a brother, and uh, I'll be more than welcome to come back anytime you want me. Uh, and if you're ever in Texas, hit me up. Oh, I'm yes, ready. I will, for sure. <laughs> and we'll see if we can get some some training going or something. All right. All right. Sounds good. Sounds good. Um, don't go yet. I'll, uh, I'll end the uh, podcast and then, uh, then we'll be good. Yes, sir. All right. If any of the listeners out there are, or know of a great firefighter who embodies the principles of being a great communicator, goal oriented, hardworking, humble, passionate, and professional, regardless of rank, career, or volunteer, contact me at student of the game fire podcast at gmail.com. Until next time, stay focused, stay committed, and stay safe.